Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 7 is entitled, The Journey. There is an intriguing scripture in Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon. Ecclesiastes 1.9 The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. I have pondered that so many times trying to discern what it means. Perhaps if we break it down. The thing that hath been. Refers to the past. It is that which shall be. Refers to the future. In our jargon, the past often repeats itself, which is validated by a study of history. It is explained by scriptures. Everything is governed by law. There are temporal laws, and there are spiritual laws. Laws are subject to the principle of causality. In other words, for every cause, there is an effect, and for every effect, there is a cause. History repeats itself because laws never change. Therefore, consequences never change, whether temporal or spiritual. The laws of nature are fixed. That is what gives science predictability. It depends upon King Solomon's statement being true. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. The same is true with spiritual laws. Obedience to the laws of God brings blessings. Disobedience to the laws of God brings cursings. That is why history repeats itself. The second part of Solomon's statement is a repetition with variation of the first. And that which is done is that which shall be done. Every generation must learn for themselves right and wrong, good and evil, law and lawlessness. Though we are all unique in our own way, we are alike in everything. Differences manifest themselves because we have agency. We cannot choose laws. Laws choose us. But we can choose to ignore temporal laws and thus suffer the consequences or break spiritual laws and thus suffer the consequences. It is sin that creates variety. It is the ability to choose between good and evil that creates agency. People who commit the same sins suffer the same consequences. The third statement is a little more complicated. And there is no new thing under the sun. We can only assume that if two people are on a journey in a dimension where nothing is fixed, then time is relative. If one stops, but the other keeps going, how is the distance between the two measured? Is it quantitative or qualitative? On earth, with the appearance of fixed reference, it may appear quantitative, measured in kilometers or miles or landmarks or time. But on our journey through life, it is qualitative. Only on earth is time linear, and that is an illusion. The earth isn't fixed. It spins at 24,000 miles an hour, giving us the appearance of a day. Entropy is the only thing that gives time its arrow. What happens to time in a world where nothing dies? The earth appears flat only because of our perspective. We may digitize time, 
But our celestial clocks measure time in circles, everything returning to its origin. Because we travel in circles, growth is not linear. In the temporal dimension, our physical body changes. In the spiritual dimension, where the soul is immortal, change only happens within us regardless of our coordinates. The moon circles the earth, the earth circles the sun, our solar system circles the Milky Way, the Milky Way circles other galaxies, and all galaxies circle the throne of God, our Creator, wheels within wheels, ending where we began. It isn't where we are when we die that matters. It is who we are. The only thing that breaks the pattern is death. We all die somewhere between sunrise and sunset. We remain in the earthly dimension, traveling in circles around and around the sun until death releases us. What matters if we die at perihelion or aphelion? We are no further away from God. Just as birth is the portal between the spirit world, where we used to live, and the mortal world where we live now, Death is the portal between the earthly dimension to the spiritual dimension. In other words, from earth where we have our physical bodies to the world of the spirits of the dead where we wait for the resurrection. There are two journeys, one temporal and one spiritual, one physical and one metaphysical. The first journey can be outlined this way. We are born into the kingdom of God who is our Father. He gives us a spiritual body in His image. We don't know how long we live with God in heaven, but we do know from the writings of Isaiah and John that Lucifer was among the children of God. Revelation 123 3-4 And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Lucifer was obviously a person of very high station in heaven because he was referred to by John as another wonder in heaven. In addition, the seven heads, the ten horns, and the seven crowns refer to his vast power, plus the fact that he persuaded a third part of the stars of heaven to follow him. That occurred in heaven before we came to earth to gain a body. Satan and his followers were cursed forever and denied a physical body. The above scripture refers to the fact that Lucifer and his angels were cast out of heaven and are continuing to war against mankind on earth. John further speaks of the war in heaven. Revelation 12, 7-9 And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought, and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Isaiah also speaks of the great war in heaven. Isaiah fourteen twelve through 15 How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, 
to the sides of the pit. Isaiah further refers to Lucifer's power by calling him son of the morning. His ambitions were equal to his power because he rebelled against Christ. I will ascend into heaven is referring to the throne of God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God refers to Lucifer's desire to overthrow Christ and become our ruler. I will be like the Most High refers to Lucifer's desire to be equal to God the Father himself. John refers to Lucifer's defeat in heaven. Isaiah refers to Satan's defeat on earth. His future is fixed. He and his angels will ultimately lose everything and be eternally held hostage by the law of justice. Meanwhile on earth, Peter refers to him as a hungry lion. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Jude refers to the period of time when we live with God as our first estate. Jude 1, six, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. I shall use Jude's terminology in defining our linear journey. It has four stages. First estate, we lived as spirits with God in heaven. Second estate, we come to earth to gain a physical body and exercise our agency. Third estate, we die. Our physical bodies lie in the grave, but our immortal spirits leave earth and live with the other spirits of the dead, where we wait for the resurrection. Fourth estate, following our resurrection, we stand before Christ to be judged for our work. Christ assigns us our eternal home. Paul talks of three degrees of glory, one compared to the glory of the sun, another to the glory of the moon, and the third to the glory of the stars. And of course there are kingdoms without glory, and there is outer darkness or hell. The purpose of the journey is to give us the chance, through our agency, to choose which kingdom we will inhabit in the afterlife. Forever. Those who live the laws of the celestial kingdom will inherit the kingdom where God and Christ live. Those who live the laws of the other kingdoms will have a wonderful kingdom of glory, but will not live with the Father and the Son. We can only inherit the kingdom governed by the laws we lived on earth. That is the price of agency. The laws of Christ are the laws of the celestial kingdom. Without the mercy of Christ, there would be no kingdoms of glory. All who live in a kingdom of glory are saved by the grace of Christ. However, being saved and being exalted are two separate principles. To be saved means to be sanctified and cleansed of our sins. To be exalted is to inherit the highest kingdom of glory. That is determined by our works. Only the valiant who kept the doctrines of Christ will inherit what Paul referred to in one place as the third heaven, and in another place as the celestial body or celestial kingdom. The above is often referred to as the plan of salvation. We are determining now which kingdom of glory we will inherit after this life. The above journey is linear. They are in chronological order. The second journey is not linear or chronological. It could be referred to as metaphysical or spiritual. It is the journey of the soul. That is the journey which determines the kingdom we inherit. The spiritual journey is more important than the physical journey. Spiritual laws are more important than temporal laws. Earth life is short. Heaven is forever. We have always existed as a form of intelligence. 
The essence of life, which we call intelligence or consciousness or self, cannot be created or destroyed. That is the only thing that explains why God exists and why we exist. It explains why free will exists. We have never not existed as a life force. Potential and individual will are inherent in self-existent intelligence. God invited our intelligences into his kingdom, which Jude called the first estate, and gave us a spirit body in his likeness. That was the first step to true freedom. Without the laws of God, there would be no freedom or agency. God alone made it possible for us to reach our full potential, which is to become like him. That was his plan from the beginning. Why would he do anything less? We are of royal birth. We have a divine nature. Christ created the earth, which is the second estate, and gave us a physical body after his likeness. That is why he is referred to as our creator. Without God, there would not be life as we know it. He is the power behind all the laws of creation. Without God, there would be no plan of salvation or eternal progression. Without Christ, there would be no Savior and no Redeemer, and we would not ever be permitted to return to the presence of God. It is only because of Christ that we can be perfected, sanctified, and resurrected. After the resurrection, we stand before Christ to be judged for our works on earth. That is how agency is preserved. He alone assigns the kingdoms we inherit forever according to the laws we lived. Judgment is entirely in his hands. From the beginning it has been our choice. Everyone who came to earth through the lineage of Adam and Eve chose the plan of Christ. We were all Christians before we came to this earth, and when we stand at the judgment bar before Christ, there will be no atheists. No matter what path we take on earth, all of us will end up before the judgment bar of Christ and give account of our works on earth. The light we carry with us, not our possessions, will bear witness to the life we live. The destination is heaven, or first estate, the very place where we used to live. It will be very familiar to us. When we return, it will be a greater heaven, however, referred to above as the fourth estate, not because the destination changed, but because we will have changed. When we left heaven as spirit children of God, we had no physical body, no opposition, no temptations of the flesh, no experience of good and evil. When we return, we will have a resurrected body equal to the light of the kingdom we inherit. If we inherit the celestial kingdom, we will shine like the sun. If we inherit the terrestrial kingdom, we will shine like the moon. If we inherit a lesser kingdom, we will shine like the stars. Some will not inherit a kingdom of glory because their works were all evil, and some, though relatively few, will live with Satan and his angels in spiritual darkness. Because we have experienced the evil on earth, we will know how to appreciate the good in heaven. Because we lived in darkness on earth, we will comprehend the light in heaven. Because we experienced the sorrow on earth, we will appreciate the joy in heaven. There will be no tears in any kingdom of glory. Because we experienced imperfection, we will comprehend perfection. Because we lived outside the law, we will relish living under the absolute perfection of the law. We will love the safety of law because we experienced the horror of lawlessness. We will enjoy heaven because we understood opposition on earth. Heaven cannot be just a place. Heaven must be an experience. John saw the celestial glory. Revelation 22, 1-5 and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, 
proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruits every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. Those who, to the best of their ability, obey the laws of Christ on earth, will, through the perfections of Christ, in his own time, be made perfect even as he is perfect. They will be heavenly creatures, children of God, and angels of light. We are all somewhat like the prodigal son, returning home. But for grace, none of us could return. When we left our former home, we took some of our inheritance with us. We are judged by how we use that inheritance. They are called by God gifts of the Spirit. We all have them in abundance. Christ compared them to talents. If we remain faithful, when we return, we will bring those gifts back again greatly enlarged, and everything else will be added. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.